Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right. Bob's Jones prophecy confirmed by Asbury Revival. We talked about this last week, huh? About the Super Bowl. Um, he prophesied this years and years and years ago. I think, he, I think it actually might have been 1970 when he prophesied it, but I could be wrong. But um, what I read was that there was, a, there was a revival at Asbury in 1970 that started like just a, about a week before the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year. But, but Bob Jones had prophesied, it may, I don't know if it's after that or what, but he said when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it's a sign that God's Chiefs or apostolic Chiefs are rising up and it's going to usher in the mighty move of God. Okay, And I think it was even connected to the billion soul harvest. And then... Um, you know, in 2020, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and that was the year that the, a lot of the prophets were saying this is the year that things are going to break out, and boy, did things break out, just not the things that we were expecting, right? But um, I shared this with you before that I, I believe that that was not a false prophecy, or that, you know, about 2020, because things happen in the heavens and in the spirit realm before you see it on the earth, but the, but the angels... And the demons see it, and, and they know. And, and so, like, when the light is... There was that verse in Isaiah, I think it's 60 or 61, it says, when the, the rise and shine for your light has come, and it talks about the dawning of a new day and the, the glory of God coming in. And Sean Bowles saw in his spirit that, that when, with all the prophetic things that God was going to be doing, the, the glory was about to start rising and Satan, the king of all demons, right, could see that before any of us humans could in humanity. And, and so he did everything he could to unleash the floodgates of hell against the move of God. And that's what we saw happen in 2020. I, I 100% believe that's what happened. I, I, don't, I don't think that any of that stuff was for any other purpose demonically than to try to stop the church and everything God's plan on doing right now. Amen. And so I, I believe that when the when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2020, it was it was a sign. It was real. But uh, but we had so much stuff that came against us that we had to we had to really press into the Lord and um, kind of pivot. That was a key word back then, pivot and reset. But we had to we had to find our new footing. We had to kind of find our way through that stuff. But the Lord has been faithful. Amen. Amen. That God's faithful. And, and so we, we came through that stuff. And, uh, and, but now 2023, it's, it's not like we're saying that the chiefs are like God's revival team. It, you guys get this, right? It's a sign. It's just a sign where the Lord is saying, if something, when something happens, you'll know that that's a, that marks a moment of something else more significant that's happening. And so they won the Super Bowl this year. And it's just crazy that this revival at Asbury broke out. It began, I believe, a few days before the Super Bowl happened. It's weird. Like 1970, a revival broke out in Asbury, and the, and the Chiefs won. 
2023, revival breaks out in Asbury, and the, and the Chiefs won. And it's just a sign, right? We pay attention to the signs, and God's doing something bigger than we know. He's doing something bigger than we know. It's not just about uh, Wilmer, Kentucky. It's not just about that university. It's about heaven coming to earth and demonstrating and, and showing us that all the things that we're praying for and believing for, God means it, and he actually can do it, and he is doing it. And guess what? If he's doing it there, why would he not want to do it here? Come on. I, I need to tell you, it's not going to look the same, and it's not supposed to look the same, okay? But I want to I tell you a few of the things that I've been observing that are, are repeat, um, repeat observations people have made in, in the Asbury Revival. Number one, there's, there's a tangible, deep, shalom peace that surpasses all understanding that is, is just a holy presence of the Lord that just comes on you and you just feel peace and it's like it, it, like it, it dismantles all the anxieties and tensions and fears physically in the soul and in the spirit. And people, like people said immediately, they just felt things just lift off of them, burdens that they've been carrying maybe for years, just lifting off. That's amazing. Like they, they didn't go through counseling, and I'm not saying anything against that. That's, that's good. I'm just, my point is that God, when, it, when the sovereign presence comes like that, in a second, he can lift off of you all the things that you've been trying to get through for a lifetime. Hallelujah. Another, another thing that they add to that with that deep peace is a tangible uh, manifestation of God's love. Just as his absolute love for you. So that people feel it and, it, and again, it dismantles all the stuff. And just, just absolute acceptance. Come on, that's amazing. And I also heard this from multiple people who don't even know each other, that they said that they also, in that presence, started feeling, that in the presence of love, they also started feeling um, shame for sins begin to come to the surface, where they started realizing, like, oh, I guess I'm not as perfect as I present myself as. And like a, like a real self-awareness of imperfection. So kind of a shame, but not the kind of shame that the religion tries to put on you, but a kind that causes you just to realize, I can't carry this on if I want to keep moving forward. But with that feeling, and this is what... This is where it's, it's, it's not the orphan thing, but a father thing, okay? With that feeling and that tangible manifestation of God's love, he cleanses the stuff off of people that they felt the shame for, washing it away. I love you. I love you unconditionally. I, I'm not holding that against you. I love you. Let's clean it off of you. Whoa. I, I don't know about you, but I'm actually feeling it right now. Lord, just fall on everybody in here right now. In the name of Jesus, just let your shalom fall on people and your manifestation of love right now just fall on people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, and it's also another common thing I've, I'm hearing people say is like, um, like we, we've seen lots of revivals historically, and each one 
is powerful and sovereign and unique and different from the others, and you cannot, you can't manufacture revival. Let me say that, okay? You can't manufacture it. There are some things you can do to prepare yourself for it, but you can't manufacture it. You can't reproduce somebody else's revival. You can receive impartations and then steward it, and God can move through it, okay? But, but every revival has its own unique divine grace that comes into it where God's administering something about his nature that's needed by people that, that without it, they might have just gone on the same. And so the, the, the thing that's interesting and incredible about this revival is that it started in a university of, of college-age students. And, and I think that it's not a... I think it's pretty obvious that this generation of young people is the most fatherless generation that's ever existed. They're, they're being trained from early until older. So, so like they've been groomed by culture from the very beginning at that, at that age to believe some wild stuff, like transgender stuff and just all the things that, that twist and turn people's true identity of self, try to, and, and confusion and all things that the enemy would try to rob people of, God, of the good things God put in somebody's life, okay? But, but culture, they've been trained in that. They've been, they've been taught it in the schools and all this stuff that's been demonstrated all around them. And so a lot of people... And that age range don't even know any different because a lot of people don't, they haven't been raised in healthy church environments where you hear the truth. And, and so my point is the, the, with that and, and then like, like being raised in broken homes and, and families and parents not doing well, not loving them well, not loving each other well, all this stuff. Like there's tension, like there is, there is tension and anxiety and fear that has been embedded deeply in people's lives and they don't even know anything other than that feeling, okay? And, and so this revival is wildly, it's amazing to think, like it didn't come necessarily with all the all the explosive miracles that we like to see in different places, but that's not what they needed, at least yet. Right now, what God, a good father, sees his kids that he wants to bring <laughs> healing to people's hearts. Seeing people carrying tension and anxiety and fear. And he comes in such a, as a, such a good father. Loving people right where they're at. And the, the shalom, the thick, heavy presence of God coming and sitting on people and just, just breaking off bonds off of people's hearts, straps that the enemy's woven around people's spirits and souls. And then the second, the presence of the Lord comes with manifest love and, pre, and peace. And it, it comes into people and they release it all. And then they're a whole new creation. That's amazing. Such a good father. Come on. That's awesome. And I heard, I heard somebody who went there who met someone or maybe they heard the testimony that somebody was, they, they were suicidal and had no hope in life, but, 
But then they, they came and, and God met them in his radical love and transformed them, set them free from that thing and now had a, had a reason to live because God loves that person. Whoa. It's amazing. Revival brings a recalibration of hearts to God's heart and God's ways. Come on. Something else that's amazing about that revival, and and again, not all revivals are going to look the same. God packages it with different groups of people and different giftings and, and different parts of the body, so it's always going to look different wherever God shows up. But in this particular setting, it's pretty amazing in this day and age that he did it in a university in a, in a really not nice-looking room, okay? Kind of, a, kind of ugly, and God didn't give a rip about the environment of the, of the building in the room. That should tell us all something about God, huh? There, there was no professional worship teams. I'm sure some of them were better than others, but it doesn't matter. That's not what it was about. Amen? It's not about the light shows and and how good quality the, the internet stream is. Can I have an amen on that one? <laughs> we have intentions to work on that here, guys. But, it, but like God doesn't, he's not, it's not about the presentation. That's my point. To God, it's not about the presentation. It's all about the heart. Amen. All about the heart. And you get, you get God show up in a place that doesn't have the skilled presentation. And then you have tens of thousands of people from around the world going there because they want God. They don't care. People don't care about the fluff anymore. It hasn't worked. Come on. And I also heard somebody who got to be a part of the, of the behind the scenes of this thing. And... Uh, and, and they said one of the things that really stood out to them about the students there who are worshiping and leading worship was that they, to them, they, this, this person said they weren't being critical or judgmental, but just an observation, that they, they realized that to them, worship was, and just the flow of God was, about, was more about us ministering to God than about us ministering to other people as the primary that doesn't mean we don't minister to other people. Please don't hear that. The point is, God first. It's, it's, it, we're, we're here. The audience is God when we're worshiping and releasing the Spirit. The audience is God, not the people. And when God shows up, are you willing to chuck the clock out the window? That's a real question right there. We can consider it rhetorical, so you don't have to answer me right now, okay? But are you willing to chuck the clock out the window? Because God moved, and he still is, 
and they haven't quit meeting there for, for worship. That's pretty wild. That's like, it's just amazing. This revival has caused a lot of questions and, stir, and stirrings of even speculations and in some ways even possibly offenses, like, okay. But, all, but more importantly, recalibrations of heart. And I've been, Jessica and I have been like processing our own heart with things on this and it's pretty amazing. So we want revival, right? Amen. We're praying for revival. I want to tell you, I want to tell you some things that it seems like um, are, are precursors to, oh, thank you, man. I actually, thank you, buddy. That's good. <laughs> For anybody watching online, Joseph just went over there and flipped the clock backwards. So, <laughs> well, he's been down there. So, some things that that are are common themes that lead to revival. I want you guys to hear these. Hunger and desperation for God. It's a big one. Hunger and desperation. Everybody say hunger for God. Hunger for God. Jesus said, blessed are those who are hungry and who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be filled. And in Hebrews 11.6, it says we need to believe that, the, that those who diligently seek God that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on. Another key part of, of it, when you function from hunger, is, is, a, is humbled hearts. Humbled hearts. Everybody say humbled hearts. Humbled. Choosing humility. The, I watched a, a documentary about the Azusa Street Revival that was led by William Seymour. And he was ignited by a, a man named Charles Parham, who really was, was a pioneer of, of the charismatic movement in America. Okay? And Charles Parham said that he had never met a person more humble than William Seymour. That's awesome. So humility... And you look at the Asbury revival, and there's so much humility in it. Like they are, they're actually being very intentional to not do things that will, that will put people in the spotlight so that people will think, oh, well, they're the one. Oh, well, they're the one. Like they're being very intentional. That's amazing. I'm not saying that that's how things have to always be, but, but even I would say that the, even the Bethel revival who, which is led by Bill Johnson, like, he's a famous person, but he never tried to be famous. He's, he's, he's probably the most humble person I've ever met. He actually can care less about that stuff. But the point is, humility of heart is, is something that needs to be there if you want God to show up. Because <laughs> God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That was a verse. <laughs> Another thing that's key is unity. Everybody say unity. 
So everybody say one heart and one mind. Doesn't mean you have to agree on every single little detail of life, but for the key things, unity. And, and even when there is things that you don't see eye to eye on, unity is the ability to honor and work together despite that stuff. Okay? <clears throat> Intensive seasons of prayer and intercession. Everybody say prayer and intercession. Every revival that I know of came from, from seasons of prayer, focused prayer. Praying into the move of God, praying into the more, praying for heaven to come to earth. And, and, and usually, usually it's corporate prayer. Like there's probably individual prayer, but corporate prayer praying into that stuff. The, the Welsh revival ignited with people coming together, praying and, and worshiping together. You guys doing okay? Here's another key. Oh, no, I wanted to add to that one. Welsh revival led by um, William, or sorry, Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts, okay? Powerful. This world is still never the same because of that revival, Okay? And Evan Roberts, and, and God, the, the revival followed after this type of a prayer that came not, not just from, a, this is a good idea to say these words to God, but like a deep soul and spirit yearning to the Lord. He prayed, bend to me, bend to me, Lord, bend me, oh God, I feel that, <laughs> bend me, Lord. Bend me. That, that's, a, that's a prayer of saying, Lord, help me to not hold on to anything anymore. Help me to be fully surrendered to you, God. Bend me, Lord. Everybody say that to the Lord right now. Bend me, Lord. Bend me, Lord. Take a moment and let your heart connect with that. And after you feel like your heart's connected with it, why don't you just declare it out to him again out loud? Don't take too long, though. Bend me, Lord. Bend me, Lord. And, and with that, the revivals tend to always be coinciding with repentance. Yes. Repentance. It's a word that people are afraid to say. But it was Jesus' primary... Sermon, repent for the kingdom is near. It's not a bad word, actually. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to let go of stuff that you can't take where God wants to take you. Amen. Bend me, Lord. Bend me, Lord. This revival in Asbury broke out. I don't know if you guys heard it or not, but one of their teachers spoke. It's on, it's on YouTube. And, I mean, it, it was good. It wasn't like the most profound sermon I've ever heard in my life. It doesn't matter because God's not into the production. Okay, he's into the heart. But, but the, he, he was leading them into a, a self-observation in Christ. Is there anything you need to repent of? 
Are you loving people around you well? And, uh, and observing, am I, actually, am I actually living the life that Jesus needs me to? And, and, but then he didn't just leave people in that place of shame because he actually said, there's no way you can keep up with all those things. Sermon, God, your highest agenda. Amen. And maybe sometimes that's why it was good that Joseph flipped the clock around. But making God your highest agenda, are you, are you making him first? Are you willing to set aside the things that that you're in the flow of or the things you want to do, are you willing to put that on the altar and make him number one in every way of your life? <clears throat> and, then, and then, of course, revival comes with all that, but then following the lead and the flow of the Holy Spirit. Come on, and letting God be the one who's in control. Yes. Hallelujah. How many of you guys want more revival? Yes. Come on. It's what we want. It's what we want. I want to tell you a few things that revival does not mean. Okay? Because we can look at it at the surface level and think, oh, that's, that's revival right there. That, these things happen, that's, that's revival. Or they're, they're doing it this way, that's revival. Oh, they're not doing it that way, that, that must not be revival. Okay? I want to talk to you about a few things about what revival is not. It's, it does not necessarily mean having endless meetings it's awesome when that happens but does but does it mean that's how it's going to always be i don't think so it's okay like god does things different ways and different with different people at different times but lots of meetings great if that's what god's doing but you don't want to just do it just to do it because that just doing it to do it is not revival it's when you it's when you're staying immersed in god and doing what he's doing that's when it's revival. You, you follow me? If you, if you have endless meetings and you don't have the staff to, that, that are already in place to, to do that, it actually is unsustainable. And people will burn out. There, there's actually real humans <laughs> who are doing the work behind the scenes. Okay, So it's unsustainable in the long run if you're not set up for that. But um, workers can grow weary. And Jesus told us to pray for workers of the harvest. <laughs> and we need you guys to be praying for workers of the harvest. People who, but they're going to need to rise up and they're going to need to be equipped. Okay? Here's something else that revival is not, is striving to make something happen. We can't strive to make it happen. And, and what, what I want to do and this is the way I'm trying to live my life, is doing the best I can to do what I see my father doing. Not trying to mimic what I see other, other people doing. What I see my father doing. Amen? 
revival is not changing our mandate so that it looks like what revival, what you think revival should look like. It's not, we're not changing our mandate. That's God's. That's, that's his business, and we're in his business. Amen? Um, I don't need to say all that stuff. Here's something that revival is not, is becoming disgruntled with the church because it doesn't look like the place that the revival happened. That's not revival. How's everybody doing right now? You want me to say it again? Yeah. Revival is not becoming disgruntled with church because it doesn't look like the place that revival happened at. That kind of a heart is not a revival-filled heart. (laughs) Revival is supposed to enhance church, not make you have a problem with it. Okay? Revival is not dropping life responsibilities and other aspects of the kingdom just so you can go to the meetings all the time. Because when God shows up, you want to be there. But it doesn't mean that God said, oh, everything that we called responsible before, it's off the list now. You still have families that you need to care for and nurture. Probably still have a job that you need to show up well to. And, and probably people also need to have time getting trained and equipped in the ways of the kingdom. And those, and those settings might not look like the revival service, but it's still important for the kingdom of God. Okay, so revival is not just checking out a church and dreaming about being somewhere else, <laughs> but instead like being present and pressing in and, and being part of the solution, seeing God show up in a place. How's everybody doing right now? Oh, I've also heard people on the internet say, how do people expect God to show up if they keep cutting worship off and going into announcements and taking up offerings and then having this, the, preach, the person get and preach? How do you have revival when you, when you do it? Are you serious? <laughs> like, like, I get it. Like, you, you don't want to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you this, when we do announcements, it's because we're trying to help you guys understand kingdom things we're doing to keep growing the kingdom. She announced about David Wagner coming so that he can bring prophetic training in a healthy culture. We're, we have Steve and Wendy Backlund coming. Why? So they can sow into revival culture here. So announcements are actually important. Of course, we don't want to get in the way of the Spirit, but my point is that people have a tendency of thinking when God shows up, you chuck everything. Well, only if the Father's chucking it. If he's chucking it, we're chucking it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't want to do things that just mimic what other people's version of revival is. Revival is not the sequence of how you do it. It's God showing up in your midst. So here's what revival is. It's God showing up. Okay, It's when God shows up sovereignly in his presence and people recognize it and they respond to it. Okay, It's when people respond to it and, and God comes in and he brings transformation to you. You can go to a revival and God's doing powerful things and leave unchanged and you didn't actually have revival because you didn't open yourself to allow allow what God's doing in his revival to actually have effect in you. Okay? 
But, but we want to be people who are fully open to the Lord and allowing his work to come in us and be transformed by what he's doing. So revival includes transformation. It's, it, it, is, it is when heaven comes to earth in our midst. Hallelujah. Heaven on earth. Do we want that? I have good news for you guys that a lot of the things that we are expecting for revival are already available to you. And the more you come into the realization of that, you can enter into that life and him show up. And then all of a sudden, you have revival. When people collectively are having their own revival with God, and then they come into community and start sharing of revival with each other, guess what? It just went from personal revival to communal revival. Hallelujah. Revival should, should change our lives to where we become, uh, where we start living revival lifestyle. Come on, guys. Revival lifestyle. Where you're constantly encountering the Lord. You're constantly putting yourself to the Lord. You're constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to, to discern your heart to see if there's anything that needs to be repented of. Constantly fully surrendering yourself to the Lord and bend me, God. Living a lifestyle of bend me, God. Where, where, where you, you know that you have access to the to the very presence and Shekinah glory of God because Jesus already paid the price to give you the righteousness of Christ to make you worthy for the move of God. Come on, guys. You don't have to wait for revival to break out in your life. You just have to believe what He's already done for you and enter into it. Mm. When revival comes, it brings an amplification of the kingdom of God and abundant life to your life and into your community. And like I said, it's going to look different in different places with different people because that's how God is. See, when God shows up, heaven on earth, he does it with his presence and his goodness and people. And he's created everybody uniquely and individually different. And so you're, everybody's a different part of the beautiful body of Christ. And he's created you and crafted you to, to carry a grace and a, and a piece of his glory that nobody else can represent. And when you have a church of people that are individual, the Lord actually cultivates within the church a very unique an individual identity of the church and culture and, and, it, and has different graces and giftings to, to offer to the region around it, to the larger body of Christ so we can cross-pollinate and be the body. And so when God shows up sovereignly in his glory into a unique body of people, it's going to look very, very special and unique and different because he glorified you unique people. <clears throat> you guys all right? Yeah. 
I still have more things to say. And I, I, I just want us to I just press in, all right? Press in. I, I know some of you might have your reservations or whatever. Just press in a little bit. Because I, I just want to take a moment and talk to you guys about what the, the greatest revival that ever happened was 50 days after Jesus died on the cross. It was the day of Pentecost. And, and I told you about the things that are precursors to revival. I want to just talk to you about some of that. Because before Pentecost came, the people who God used to bring the open heaven, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they had spent three and a half years with Jesus first, getting trained and equipped by kingdom value systems. And so God was actually pouring into people and giving them training and equipping so that they would understand how the kingdom actually functions so that it wouldn't just be the Holy Spirit getting dumped out on a bunch of, uh, of people who don't really get it, okay? But, but the, the Lord actually trained them and he equipped them and he empowered them and he gave them activations, but then they come back and they learn more from him. And, they, and so teaching and training is so important to this stuff. And the Lord was teaching and training and discipling them. They were his disciples for three and a half years, getting kingdom culture into them. And so the kingdom was taught first before the revival came. But, it, but, but with the kingdom and the expression of the kingdom, the Spirit of God shows up and moves. Amen? But then they came into deep repentance and receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Every single one of His disciples actually betrayed Jesus and carried shame for it. And I'm talking like just a couple of months before this. Less than that. Okay? They, they completely turned their back on their Savior and had shame for it. And so they had to work through repentance with Jesus. Repentance came before revival came. And then it talks about unity. And in Acts chapter 1, it talks about how there is 120 people. 120 people. Again, this is not years later after Jesus ascended. It was people who had been already doing time with Jesus and getting under the training of the kingdom teachings. All right? But 120 people. By the way, just for fun, I want you to know there's exactly 120 chairs in this room. And I want every chair to get filled in this place of people who are coming into the kingdom with us. Amen? Amen? 120 people. And, and they gathered together and prayed on a daily basis. Jesus actually told them that, that they need to pray and tarry in Jerusalem until the promise comes. And I think it was 10 days worth of it that they were praying. They had no idea. It could have been two years for all they knew. But they prayed for 10 days, 120 people in the upper room. Okay? <clears throat> 
And in, and in Acts chapter 2, I'm just going to read those first few verses. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. Everybody say, one accord in one place. So they weren't skipping out that day. I won't say anything else. But they were there. They were there. And they were in one accord, one heart, one mind, focused together, aiming at the same targeted prayer, focusing on the kingdom coming. God pouring out his, his Holy Spirit and bringing revival. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so there's unity. Everybody say unity. Amen. Unity is, is one of the biggest obstacles to revival, guys. People coming together with their own ideas of what they should be doing and try to get people to do their thing or somebody wants to do their other thing and they've got like 50 different ideas of what needs to be done and nobody, who, I'm not talking about you guys, I'm just saying in general. People, people not having a submitted heart to the people, to the ones that God placed to actually guide it somewhere and coming into that with them and, and because people don't have the heart to come into it and they're just trying to do their own thing. It's like about, it's about 50 different small little things that's never going to go real far until it gets unity on it. All right? But when, but when God's people come together and knit their hearts together and trust what he's doing, and, and they can go together after one thing, and it's got to be the thing that God breathed, not something that somebody breathed. You're going to see momentum build, and then you'll see momentum build. You'll see momentum build until an outbreak happens. Hallelujah, guys. Intensive prayer. They prayed every day. That was key. And then they had a passion to, believe, to receive what God had for them. There's so many things I wish I could say, and I'm, I, I can feel the clock turning a little bit. That's a tension I have too, guys, just so you know. This needs to be received by faith. The, the outpouring of God needs to be received by faith. I've been teaching you guys about believing is receiving. Believing is receiving. Believing as if you are pulling the rope in right now. Even if you don't see it yet, you believe it's coming. You've got to believe it's coming. It takes faith to believe this thing's coming. Amen. And it can come through impartation where people already have breakthroughs and God released a grace on somebody that you haven't got the breakthrough yet on. They can actually release impartation into you so you get a breakthrough off their breakthrough because that's just how good God is. That's, that's called overflow. That's called, that's called expansion. Amen? So we've got to honor the point. You've got to honor what God's doing. You've got to trust what he's doing. It's for you too. And you've got you to receive it. And you've got to be blessed by it and bless it. You've got to honor the point. And uh, hallelujah. <clears throat> Man, there's just too much. God help me. I've I got to say a few more things. I'm sorry. Can you guys just please contend with me right now, okay? There, there's, I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So, awesome. We got some unity building right now. It's good. Where did my water go? <laughs> where's, Jesus, where's my water? Oh, thanks. All right. 
I want to present some challenges to you guys. Are you ready? You guys, you guys all know I love you dearly, yeah? Okay, here's some challenges. <clears throat> People are willing to drive a seven-hour round trip in one day and stand in lines for hours to receive a move of God. And a lot of times it's the same people who are the ones who are looking at the clock on Sundays. Okay? People are going to these things with hunger and expectancy, but are they showing up in their own churches with hunger and expectancy? Is God only in Wilmar, Kentucky? Or in Redding, California? Or in Lakeland, Florida? Or is he right here? Is he a respecter of persons? Does he, is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? So what he does in places, does he want to do it again for you? Come on. So are we showing up with hunger and expectancy for God? And are we, are we able to believe in God in this and find him for us and not think that he's just somewhere else. He's, he's waiting for you to press into him. Come on. If revival broke out here, I, I think I might have wrote some of this down when I was falling asleep last night. So I'm afraid of what I'm getting ready to say. Help me, God. <laughs> oh, no, man, this is dangerous. If revival broke out here, what ways would you be willing to put yourself into stepping up to the occasion and getting involved? I'm standing on for a few minutes. I want to tell you this. Like, people were, were saying, that's amazing. They didn't take up offerings there. Okay, that's cool, as long as they can afford it. But this stuff costs money, guys. It does cost money. Amen. I, as a matter of fact, I, I could be wrong on my figure, but I'm pretty sure. Like, we think about things like Reinhard Bonnke going over in Africa and doing his crusades, and there's like a million people that show up. Do you know that it costs more than a million dollars to put that on? That dude isn't pulling that money out of his butt. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's, there's an investment. Like, Asbury, they, they, they funded this thing by themselves, I'm assuming. Maybe somebody chipped in, but they didn't take offerings. But guess what? Tonight's their last public night and they're, sh they're shifting what they're doing. I don't know if they had the funding to keep doing this. I don't know. But it's, there's more to that. There's janitorial needs. Did you know that they had to restock toilet paper and paper towels and have people clean bathrooms on a regular basis? Who's doing that? Who's doing that? Are, are people who are ushering the flow and keeping the environment safe parking people and, and then arranging for expanded parking because they weren't expecting that many people. So somebody had to go scout out uh, uh, overflow oppor opportunities around them. Who did that? Who did the work? And at Asbury, it's been 24-7. That means there were teams there Day and night, day and night, missing sleep, changing their sleep schedules, missing time with their families at home, and whatever else was going on. Who's doing all that stuff? 
It's not just the guy who, who, who's leading the thing from the front every time. Okay? Then, like, this wasn't the case there because it's a college campus and they didn't do children's ministry, but what if it breaks out here? Like, I'm already starting to get my gears going. What if things break out here? Like, if we start expanding and more people start coming in, what are we going to do for a building? Who's praying into that with me? Because I know I am. Okay? We're not going to get a building until we need it. But, but I'm believing that we're going to need it. Okay? So... But, but, you know, here in other churches, if, the, if this type of thing happens, like we have, a, we have a children's ministry team that's covering our current needs, but you start getting more families coming in, and you start out, you, the, the, the ratios of people doing children's ministry is going to be way off, and that's going to have to get fixed. Who's going to help? Come on, man. Come on, these are rhetorical. <laughs> but... But I want you guys to process these questions with God. And if you want to speak out, do it, man. That's great. I'll, I'll tell Lori you said that. <laughs> you got to have teams who, who, you don't just put people that you don't know together to build teams. You, you have to know each other and trust each other and learn how to do things together. But you got to have teams doing different kinds of things. Okay, and then and then like you can't just only just have uh, revival meetings where where it's just the presence and nothing else is happening. Because if you if you're not careful, you're gonna you're gonna make the movement deficient of discipling new converts who will never understand the ways of the kingdom if somebody doesn't take the time to disciple those people. So there's like so many facets, but who's gonna do it all? Because I can't. There's a lot of things I want to do, and if I, could, if I could replicate me 10 times, we could get a lot of things done. But, but we, I want to be raising people up, and, I, and it comes through relationship and building trust and knowing that people are getting equipped with the same value systems, so we're going in the same direction with things, so we're not creating like 20 different visions. We're going after the vision that God's given us. You guys hearing my heart on this stuff? It's not just... We need to be prepared for more than just the fireworks. Because if you want the fire, it takes work. If you want the fireworks, you got to know that if you get the fire, it takes work, okay? There's, there's a lot that goes into this stuff. And we, we say we want revival, but have you actually counted the cost? When God brings favor and abundance to people, which is his heart's desire to do so, it's amazing and it's a blessing, but it also comes with increased responsibility. Come on, guys. What, what, like, I, what if people are so excited to do that when there's revival, they want to do it at a revival, like, yeah, God's moving, let me show up and serve. What about before it breaks out? Are you willing to do it before it breaks out? Because Jesus was preparing his 12 before it broke out. He was training them and he was activating them and giving them responsibilities. And then it came. He had to create a net that can hold the overflow of, of the catch. But the net has to be in place for the catch to be able to get caught. 
You see what I'm saying? You catch, you catch what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus. We, we came here to build a revival culture. This is what we live for, okay? It's what we live for. It's what we're here for. But it's going to take people rising up and stepping in. Rising up, stepping in. It's going to take building unity, okay? Building unity together. I'm about to close. But we're not closing with a quick send-off. Open your hearts to the Lord. He's here right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just fall on hearts right now. Fall on everybody's heart. Everybody. Even if somebody doesn't want them to. <laughs> Please fall on them too. Thank you, God. We need to press into what God's doing. We want to learn from other revivals, but we're not trying to replicate them. We want to find... It's not about what they're doing so much as it is what is God doing. Amen? By the way, we're going we're gonna to continue for a while uh, until the Lord says differently to use our Wednesday nights for prayer and intercession nights. Yes. Amen. You know why? Because prayer precedes revival. Yes. And it stimulates it. It needs to be covered in it. Yes. And as a matter of fact, I don't know how long we're going to do this, but instead of every other week, we're back to weekly. Yes. Now listen. <laughs> Who's going to show up, though? Because And this is rhetorical. Unless you need to answer me, who's going to show up? I know that some people have schedules where it's just impossible, but, you know, but, but do you want to be a part of, of praying this thing in and giving birth to this thing with this? Because Wednesday night prayer is actually very important for what's, what's coming. There's four things that move God. It's about where I'm going to wrap up. Give me a couple more minutes. There's four things that move God more than anything else, in my opinion. I believe this is very scriptural. Hunger for him moves God. Expectant faith moves God. Repentance moves God. Christ-centered unity moves God. And we need all of these if we want the revival that God's promised us. Amen? And so right now... I want you guys to open your hearts to the Lord, and I want you to listen. I want you to let him move on your heart. With I'm getting ready to say a few things, and I want you to ask the Lord if there's anything that I'm about to say that, that is there, that the Lord wants to point out, if there's something that, that you can't take with you where God's trying to take you, things that you need to repent of, okay? I want you to ask the Lord if any of these things are there. Because I want to give us a time. I, want to, I, I don't do this often. I want to give us a time specifically for repentance. Okay? There might, I'm going to give you some things that just dropped in my spirit that, that could be things you might need to repent of. Sins. If you, you might need to repent of sins. And there's so many different types of sins, but uh, sexual sins, lust, addictions of sorts, pride, which could include self-seeking, a lack of humility, an independent spirit, ego, 
self-promotions, unteachability. Judgments, criticisms, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. I'm not going to repeat these because if it hit you, it already hit you. Open your heart and ask the Lord. Marital or family brokenness. Maybe, maybe a hard heart or a lack of love toward your spouse, kids, parents, siblings. Maybe somebody needs to repent of having contempt in your heart. Which would be, I would consider this like Nazareth syndrome where the people couldn't receive from Jesus because they were too familiar with him. Familiarity breeds contempt. Some of you guys, maybe you're so familiar with people around you or me or whoever that it's hard for you to receive what God's doing. So contempt. Complacency. I think that's a big one for some people. Do you need to repent of complacency? Having wrong priorities where you're not seeking the kingdom first? Not willing to linger with God because you have something more important to do? Lack of commitment. That could be a lack of commitment to God, to people you're in relationship with, to church, or whatever the Lord shows you. Maybe somebody needs to repent for giving up on God or giving up on people. Let him, let him move right now, please. Somebody might need to repent of unbelief or fear and anxiety and a lack of trust in him and his goodness. I want you guys to take a little time right now. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord if there's anything that you need to confess to him to let his love come and wash you clean of that thing. Because he loves you so much. He's not judging you, but he knows that you can't go where he wants to take you with that.